Hello, this is Jeff Benjamin here along with Bruce Kelly with the Investment News Podcast special election issue. We have with us Mark Sheff, our Washington correspondent, to talk about the uh, election and the immediate fallout or impact on the financial services industry. We know looks like Joe Biden has won. It's all over but the crying right now. So, uh, Mark Sheff, give us a, a lay of the land from your perspective. Thanks, Jeff and Bruce, for having me again today as a guest. Hey, Mark, how you doing? All right. This election is unique in that more people will be happy and unhappy about the results than ever before. Because more people voted, you mean? Well, exactly. It's like 145 million people or something, right? I mean, this is a crazy amount. Exactly. I'm not. It's what? Is that 10 million more or 15 million more than in 2016? Some, somewhere along that line. I'm not sure of the exact numbers. I'm also not sure of the turnout percentages yet. But uh, in terms of raw numbers, this is looking like a record election. Yeah. And it will result, it looks like, in a Joe Biden presidency, but a divided government, because the Republicans are poised to hold on by a slim margin to their Senate majority. That will be determined by two uh, runoffs in Georgia in early January. So between now and, and, and uh, just after New Year's Day, Atlanta is likely to become the political capital of the United States, at least as far as elections are concerned. (laughs) Investment advisors are among those who seem to be happy with this outcome, which is divided government. In the reporting that I did last week, advisors were relieved that some of the parts of President-elect Biden's agenda that would hit them and their clients hard, like tax increases, are likely to be either stopped or diluted by a Republican Senate. And advisors were looking forward to divided government, whether it resulted in bipartisanship or gridlock. We've sort of got two possibilities. Either one is uh, going to reassure them, it appears. What about the regulatory front, Mark? What are you seeing there at the SEC? Politico and the Wall Street Journal reported over the weekend that Gary Gensler, the former Commodity Futures Trading Commission chair, is going to head President-elect Biden's financial services transition team. Gensler so, developed- excuse me, Gensler was the head of the CFTC under Obama? Yes, he was, from 2009 to 2014, and he gained a reputation as being tough on Wall Street. Well, that's when the, the CFTC was really involved with a lot of cases because of the fallout of the financial crisis, right, from 2007, 2008 in the housing market. Right, exactly. And and Gensler developed a reputation as being being tough on Wall Street. So this would seem on the surface to increase the chances that Biden will appoint an SEC chairman who perhaps is not beholden to Wall Street, perhaps doesn't come directly from Wall Street. Maybe he or she is not planning on going directly back to Wall Street after being SEC chair. If that's the case then there's a much better chance that the SEC will revisit regulation best interest and revisit some of the private market reform that the SEC has approved late in the Trump administration. And more likely that the SEC generally will promulgate rules and enforce rules in a way that make investment and that make investor advocates happy. But we'll see, because remember, 
Biden has to get whoever he appoints through the Senate. And if if the Republicans have a majority, they could play hardball and, and say they don't like a particular nominee and block him or her. If the Democrats win both Georgia elections and they achieve a 50-50 tie, they have the majority in the Senate by virtue of Vice President-elect Kamala Harris's vote. But that's tenuous. And remember that under that situation, moderate Democrats, who tend to be friends of Wall Street, frankly, are going to have much more power, and maybe they would have some problems with a really tough SEC chair. So we'll see what happens. I don't think they would go, who is it, Manchin in West Virginia? Joe Manchin, John Tester in Montana are two names that come immediately to mind. I don't think they would say no to his, you know, to the head of the SEC, for example. They might walk at changes in regulation or something like that. But I don't think a Democrat even a moderate at this stage. They they certainly wouldn't embarrass Biden by voting against right, that's the nominee, a good way to put but it. they would call the, the transition team uh, and say, hey, don't go with this person because we don't like this person. And then that person, then that person is not even nominated. Right. Sheffy, how long have you been covering DC, the Hill? Well, I've been I've been either working on or near or covering the Hill since 1992. Okay, so in regards to investment advisors, right, financial advisors and Wall Street, because financial advisors RIAs are different from Wall Street banks, right? Obviously, how important is it? You know, the change in the head of the SEC based just based on your experience and your perception, how big a concern is this for? the everyday RIA out in Des Moines or Philadelphia or Seattle, who's has a hundred million, 50 million or a hundred million or 500 million in assets. How much does this have an impact on their eventual operations? That's a great question, Bruce. Editors have told me for years that, that when IN surveys its readership, which is retail investment advisors and broker and brokers for the most part, the um, survey always comes back with regulation being one of the top two concerns. That doesn't always directly translate into clicks on my stories, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> but it is something that's always at least in the back of advisors' minds, if not top of mind. The chair of the SEC is not nearly as big a deal to the average advisor as uh, business development, for instance, trying to increase assets under management. But in terms of of the long-term outlook for a practice, it can be crucial. And the chair of the SEC is pivotal because the chair sets the agenda. And more importantly, the chair decides whether to move forward with rules on three to two or four to one votes. What we've seen over the last few years prior to Jay Clayton is SEC chairs who wanted to achieve consensus on rules that were not mandated by Congress. And therefore, for instance, a fiduciary rule for investment advice never made it out of the starting gate under Mary Jo White or Mary Shapiro. Jay Clayton, on the other hand, takes 3-2 votes with alacrity, or 4-1 votes. That's why we have regulation best interests. That's why we've had private market reform in the last couple of months that's driven investor advocates nuts. So the the chair of the SEC is crucial. It'll be a 3-2 Democratic majority under Biden. 
And that that chair can drive the agenda any way he or she wants. I think you're going to talk to some some executives out there in the, the brokerage industry in particular. That's my more of traditionally been more of my beat, even though we do write about the RIAs more and more these days as everything melts. I mean, they just hate a democratic shift. They just equate a democratic control of the SEC as bad for the retail brokerage business in general. There's plenty of people out there like that. I think we would agree. What do you say to those people this morning? It's probably a Democratic chair of the SEC is probably not going to introduce a sea change in regulation immediately and maybe not over the course of however many years he or she she serves because the chair has to figure out what he or she wants to spend political capital on. And for instance, redoing Reg BI, which would require a brand new rulemaking process, may be one of the things they leave aside. And instead, the the new SEC leadership will look at enforcing it differently than a Clayton SEC might have. So what you'll get is Reg BI staying in place, but the SEC cracking down in a different way than it would have under Clayton, which doesn't represent a huge adjustment for brokers. They're still getting what they're comfortable with, which is Reg BI. On brand new rulemakings, those will take a year or more. So you've at least got some margin here to adjust to a Democratic SEC chair. For the most part, they should take a year or more if there's if the agency is starting from scratch. And the thing that's not going to happen, presumably, in January is the new Congress is not going to strike down recent rules like the DOL ESG rule, which was finalized a week ago, and others that are being finalized here at the end of the administration. There won't be a Congressional Review Act vote that is disapproval by Congress because you'll have a probably a Republican Senate. And even if you don't, you'll have a razor thin Democratic majority, which might not be able to, to pass a resolution like that, which means that quick scuttling of recent rules is probably not in the future. So what does this mean to the ESG space? I mean, you would think that a Biden administration would be friendlier to ESG strategies, but I think you just explained that these are likely to stay as they are, right? Meaning it's going to be more difficult to get ESG funds on 401k plan menus. Is that correct? ESG legislation so far has been pretty partisan. Uh, Democratic bills only get Democratic co-sponsors. I don't know that there is a Republican bill out there. And this would likely continue in the new Congress next year. It's going to be really difficult to get an, a Senate Republican majority on board to, to, for fundamental changes in approach to ESG, that is to make the world more friendly to ESG investing. Congressman Andy Levin of Michigan has two bills in the works that are the exact opposite of the DOL ESG rule. In other words, they would require investment advisors and retirement plan advisors to consider ESG as part of their planning with clients. Bills like that, I, I don't see how they get through a Republican Senate. And in fact, they might have trouble getting through a 50-50 Democratic Senate. Yeah, I, I, I can't even tell you how many press releases 
I've already gotten today, and I bet Jeff, you too, right? From various groups saying ESG investing is going to go through the roof now with this with this new administration in the wings. People are expecting it, in other words. Well, ESG investing is kind of already going through the roof. A lot of it has been driven by the performance this year. And to be fair, most of that performance has been due to the fact that they tend to not hold fossil fuels, these funds. Right. That's really been the performance of uh, ESG. It's it's hard to put it on anything other than the, the lagging of fossil fuels inside. And we got to remember energy tanked back in... The spring, right when the whole world shut down for at least a month or two months right. or whatever so, it was. So the is a little misleading to see the ESG performance, but it it is uh, it is definitely a growth area right now. But to me, it's always been my big thing. If the ESG wants access to that four hundred one k market, and you know, I don't really blame them for wanting it, but they're, <laughs> because it's a it's a huge market. I mean, unless you're a multi, it's, it's half the money in in people's. Right. It's you know, it's you half know, most regular money. people. That's how they invest their money in their four hundred one k plan. And ESG has has been kind of held at arm's length. They're not blocked or prohibited. They just have to jump through a few more hoops and prove themselves and. And the sponsors, the companies, they're being erring on the side of caution like they do with almost everything they put on a 401k right. menu. So if they do put a 401, an ESG fund in there, I've seen this, I've written about it. It's the most plain, vanilla, generic ESG strategy they can find. So, yeah, you would think, and a lot of people are excited about the fact that a Biden administration would likely be friendlier to ESG investing and in addition to maybe making it easier to get these types of funds on 401k plans, you got to think there's going to be more government money spent on subsidizing solar and wind and right. Oh, there definitely is. There, there definitely is. So without a doubt, that's that's there. But you know, but Jeff, my point is, you you understand, and and Mark does too, better, almost better than anyone, the the weight and the power and the heft of the mutual fund marketing machine. I mean, the mutual fund industry and the, and the asset management industry wants these things to be more than they are now. And so they're going to be, I think, Mark, right? This would be a lobbying opportunity on Capitol Hill by the ESG industry. Yes, everyone hated the DOL ESG rule. There have been some Republican-leaning trade associations who are now saying that the changes DOL made in the final rule are making them feel better about it. But basically, you'll probably see an effort in the, in the Biden administration to, to promote ESG investing, and not just reduce the extent to which it's discouraged through a rule. And no matter who Biden appoints to head the Labor Department, that person likely I'm guessing we'll commence a new rulemaking to do a different kind of ESG rule to get rid of the ESG rule that the Trump administration approved. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about taxes a little bit. Most people could, would expect Biden. He's talked a lot about raising taxes. He talked about getting rid of the Trump tax cuts, which I think would affect pretty much everybody who pays income taxes. Is this likely or is the divided Congress, does the divided Congress kind of put the damper on? sweeping tax hikes? It would be difficult to get sweeping tax hikes through a slim Republican Senate majority or even a 50-50 Democratic Senate majority. Again, I can't emphasize enough, 
if it's 50-50 Democrats and a lot of dominoes would have to fall to make that happen. Remember, you're talking about Georgia electing two Democratic senators in the runoff. Right. Uh, yes, Georgia's looking as if it's trending toward Biden. But remember, down ballot, voters elected a lot of vulnerable House and Senate Republicans this year. And it seems to me the voters in Georgia might do the same thing. So you're going to have a really tight situation in, in the Senate. And that doesn't bode well for major tax reform. Major tax reform has to have pretty solid, relatively speaking, solid majorities, and there won't be one. Hey, Mark, one more thing I want to ask you is, what do you see as the top priorities related to the financial services industry that a Biden administration would focus on? And I know they're going to be focusing on a lot of stuff. And we, you know, we know they're not going to zero in on financial services. But if you see the, the top things that would impact financial services, what would they be? Well, I th- you, you would probably find an effort to switch to, for instance, default electronic delivery. I mean, that's something that seems to be getting bipartisan political support. That would be an easy early win. It seems to me the financial services industry will look for easy early wins. So electronic delivery might be one area that they make a, a move in. I, I believe ESG might be an area that everyone will push for. I'm not quite sure in what form. You know, investment advice reform has sort of been settled more or less, and that wouldn't be an industry push. It would be more of a, a push from investor advocates. So it seems early on it'll be things yeah, sort of in the in in the margins. I don't know that there'll be a big overarching theme that comes out, but but we'll see. Because remember, the, the financial services industry got a lot of what it wanted in the Trump administration. And they're they're going to be looking to play defense, not offense, under Biden, at least initially. That's well put, Chevy. So, Mark, thank you so much for coming on our podcast with this uh, very special edition. You got anything else you want to add? Bruce and Jeff, I'd like to add just one other thing before we go. As a political junkie and someone who's lived in Washington now for (laughs) a majority of my life, it's scary to say that, I'm pleased at how the country came through this election. This was an election in which we had a record number of people participating, and we had to wait for days to get the final result, and that's exactly what we did. We waited. We, we counted the votes, and we have a president-elect. Yes, President Trump is going to dispute the results, and that's his right, but we've elected a president. We were patient about it. We haven't had demonstrations that have resulted in, in any kind of violence. In fact, the demonstrations have all been celebrations, as far as I can tell. And this is a moment to, to really celebrate the institution of democracy came through with flying colors this week. And at least so far. Yeah, I could add one more thing to that, Mark. I have a 14-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son. And we were watching Biden's speech on Saturday night and the president-elect's speech and, and Kamala Harris's speech. And, you know, my daughter was on the edge of her seat to have a, you know, teenage uh, looking up at the TV screen and being so motivated because there was a woman on the screen was really something 
to see. So that was our special edition of the Investment News Podcast. Of course, we want to thank our very special guest, Investment News Senior Reporter out of Washington, Mark Sheff. We also want to thank our producer, Stephen Lamb. You can find all our podcasts at investmentnews.com, on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Also follow us on Spotify. Our Twitter handles, of course, Jeff Benjamin is at Benji Ryder, and I'm Bruce Kelly. I'm at BD News Guy. And thanks for listening, and we'll be talking to you real soon.